Hello and welcome to Please Don't Send Me Into Outer Space, the podcast intent on exploring all that science fiction and fantasy has to offer, one movie at a time. My name is Joel. My name is Sarah. My name's Aaron. This week was Repo Man from 1984, directed and written by Alex Cox, starring Emilio Estevez as Otto, Harry Dean Stanton as Bud, Tracy Walter as Miller, Cy Richardson as Light, Olivia Barush as Layla, and Dick Rude as Duke. I can name a bunch of other people, but yeah, I, I mean, there's, there's yeah. so many good characters. Totally. Keep on going. I picked this movie. I saw it back in 2013 when I was exploring film, and I, I heard a bunch about Repo Man. Oh, you know what? I think there was like a Dissolve article. The The Dissolve was this great site that unfortunately shut down last year. That was not like most, like, not like IMDb with like, we're on the red carpet and we're going to see the newest thing. It was like intelligent articles about film, you know, lesser known films and then like recent film reviews and a great community. And it just didn't have the funds to keep going. Oh, it was like super heartbreaking, but it introduced me to a couple of different things that have been like, I'm so glad that site existed just so I could find out about this. But uh, just a real quick question about that then. Did, mm. did any of those people land anywhere else in the internet? Or are they still kind of floating? Well, um, a bunch of them, they also had a really good podcast called The Dissolve Podcast. Oh, cool. But obviously, I had to stop when the site stopped. Yeah. And now they have a new podcast called The Last Picture. No, no, no. The Next Picture Show. Obviously, oh, cool. Obviously, it's a play on The Last Picture Show. And that is, uh, they compare an older movie with one that was just released in theaters. Oh, like cool. They just did one for Iron Man and then Captain America. I'll Civil check them War. out. Yeah, it's real good. The last picture show? Mm-hmm. Okay. No, no, no. The next picture show. Next picture show. Yeah. Got it. I got it mixed up because there's a movie called The Last Picture Show. Oh. Uh-huh. Yeah. And Matt Singer is a cool dude. He's cool. a flop, He's a Flophouse guy. Ah. I mean, not on the podcast, but you know, he hangs out in there sometimes. Flophouse. Yeah, mm-hmm. I still have to listen to one of those, I've too. I've heard of this <laughs> flopper house. Anyway, when I watched it, I didn't really know what to expect, even though I'd read that stuff. And I kind of, I, you know, I, I liked it, but I didn't really know what was going on. This time, it's like out of the park. What do you guys think? I loved it. I thought it was great. I I don't think I really have any other movie that I can, like, gauge it to. It was just so original and awesome. Like, I really appreciated this movie a lot. It was really cool. Yeah. I think it kind of reminded me of, like, Richard Linklater's style, like, slacker, but it also reminded me of, like, Raising Arizona, too. The way, like, kind of just ridiculous things happen. And the characters. Mm -hmm. Like, how you feel like you could know these people, and they're kind of, like, the things that come out of their mouth are funny, but, like, you've heard people talk like that before, too. Like, just kind of... Silly. It does bear resemblance to that chaotic feel of Raising Arizona. Yeah, though. that's what it reminded me yeah, of. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Oh, man. And Raising Arizona, I think, is really cool. And I think this is really cool, too. And there couldn't be a more punk rock movie. Like, I had no idea this movie... I think I always confused it with something else. Just in my mind, I'd hear Repo Man and I'd think something Repo else. Repo the Genetic Opera or... I think before that. Oh, okay. I yeah. think I heard the name of this when I was younger. Mm. And maybe I thought it was about... I mean, the name doesn't tell you 
Maybe yeah. I thought it was about cars or something. I mean, you could, I mean, somebody sure. could tell you this is a movie yeah. about cars. Well, not, <laughs> They'd be wrong, but, yeah. but there are cars in it. Well, I, oftentimes when I hear the, when I hear the term repo man, I think of a either science fiction story, may, maybe bearing resemblance to this. About people who go and collect people's organs. Right, that's Repo Men. Repo oh. Men. Okay. That's got, that's got Jude Law and Force Whitaker. And Force Whitaker's, you know, he makes that face that uh, he's doing when he's doing serious roles. Well, then that's precisely what I thought this movie was. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. I thought that's what we were getting into. Maybe. Maybe yeah. that's what I confused him. I mean, that happened a lot know. later. It wasn't an earlier film. So uh-huh. I was wondering if you were thinking maybe of Men at Work, you know, the the one with Emilio Estevez and Charlie Sheen, where I, I don't even know what that movie's about, but it's an no. older one. Emilio Estevez did not come into my mind when oh, okay. I was thinking Repo Man. In fact, I, I don't know what I don't know what my reference was, but yeah, that now that I look back on it, I think people have mentioned it to me and probably they even tried to tell me about it. But at the time I never sought it out, and it wasn't just readily available to me, so I couldn't really mm-hmm. see it. Hey, man, anything's possible. Mike Sterling still hasn't watched Blade Runner. I, I think anything's possible in this universe. <laughs> I've heard that. We should have a shotgun uh, episode where we go to his house and tie him to a chair, and then we, after we force him to watch the movie, we can do a podcast where most of his dialogue is going to be, will you guys untie me now? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I would just picture what we what we would do is we would just repurpose a uh, a Blade Runner DVD and make it look like the Spirit, his favorite oh, movie. That's a good idea too. And then uh- <laughs> <laughs> hand it to him. Here you oh go, my buddy. Gosh. <laughs> Copy a Swamp Thing. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> No, I'm so happy that you guys liked it. Like, I think you guys liked it even better than I did, based on the reaction you had. I, man, it felt like a like a like a Love and Rockets comic book. It I felt like it. a oh, wow. It felt like a I don't know, like a yeah. just the most punk thing that was I've, so I've ever experienced. Yeah, you know I just, exactly. I could see Jaime Hernandez drawing this. I think I'm going to totally tear up from that reaction. <laughs> totally, it was just it was just so cool. It was yeah. epic. It did. It felt. Visually, it was just done perfectly too. Yeah, yeah. it made it made uh, screenwriting and storytelling in that way look easy. Yeah, because <laughs> because you hear this guy talking about. We watched some of the bonus material afterwards, and you hear him talking about it, and he's you know talking about typing a script and yeah. having a picture of his punk rock friend there or whatever, and. You compare this to other movies? It's like, what? <laughs> it's just the most punk rock thing because these guys that were punks, like, basically wrote it themselves. It was like a project they had and then it got turned into something else. But it it feels so authentic, like, visually and, yeah, it just makes storytelling I'm... like this look simple compared to other movies we've seen. <laughs> totally. Totally. And it was so, like, understated, too. Like, the opening of the trunk was so perfect. <laughs> it was like that moment in Pulp Fiction when they opened the suitcase. Like, it was just so... It was one of those tricks that they use. You probably know more about that than I yeah, do. That's totally, totally the MacGuffin of the movie. It's like... Because that's how it opens. It opens with that guy getting pulled over and the cop getting... Ev- you know, uh, eviscerated, like, evaporated. I don't even know what the word is, but he's just, like, the only thing that's left is his boots after he opens that truck in the bright light. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that's going to be what this movie's about. No, not really. It, it's it's the Jerry Seinfeld of movies. It's, it's a movie about nothing, really. But <laughs> it is, it's so well done, you know? Like, oh, man. Ah. Well, it's like if you're talking about the movie Raising Arizona, you're like, oh, it's about... How this kid got kidnapped, and there's these guys that are <laughs> totally <laughs> like you're trying to explain it, but there's more to it than that. It's an experience you have to see because it's not really about what the plot points are, it's about how it's told and what the characters are yeah. doing in that totally. process, totally, <laughs> and how you experience it as mm. the viewer. But it was so funny. There were so many lines in this that I was just like, oh my gosh, this is like just so laughing. good. Yeah. Otto's introduction 
working at that grocery store is the perfect opening. Like, I mean, I, after, after the whole drive thing, which is, which is great. But like I said, that sets the expectations. If you're looking for like, this has got to have a plot and this is what we're looking for the goal, then you're going to, you might be disappointed, but like Alex in or not Alex Otto in the grocery store labeling with his Napoleon dynamite, like friend standing right next to him. (laughs) Oh my God. Surrounded by labels that, say nothing you know they're black text on white yep <laughs> canned peaches and and cornflakes one word for every item <laughs> food drink beer <laughs> they all cornflakes why well, not two words but you know what i mean yeah. look the same i noticed in that store though that they had these giant del monte posters hanging down every aisle it was like that was the one brand that was represented <laughs> clearly. I almost feel like it was, you know, it was filmed in like a real grocery store. I was like, oh, you can you can replace it with your your prop food and stuff like that, but the Del Monte stuff has to stay. We can't take that down. It was really hard to get it up there. Yeah, that was actually my presumption as well. That it was like, nah, man, you you'd film whatever, just leave the Del Monte. Up. <laughs> I'm on the phone with Mr. Del Monte. He says it's okay. <laughs> Del Monte uh, sponsored this movie. Mm. Mm. <laughs> later, later, when there's some ketchup all over the place, it should have been Del Monte ketchup. But I guess they don't make it in glass bottles. Doesn't have the same effect. That's right. But yeah, Emilio Estevez, you know, working in the store with that. Yeah, I mean, he's got that. He looks glorious. I mean, it looks like somebody sculpted him out of marble. Yeah, that like earring hanging there. It's like. Oh, Joel decided he's handsome. No, I'm not saying he's handsome. I'm saying, I'm saying he looks glorious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the earring. I, I'm not saying I want to sleep with you him, just... but I'll give him a tug. Anyways. But that, that scene was great because you could just feel the apprehension coming off of him. He didn't want to be there anymore. You know, it was just like, he was he was obviously like, like you know, one conversation away from blowing up on somebody, you know? Yeah. And it was just really cool how how the rest of that scene transpires but uh, you can just tell from the one look at him you're like oh man he's gonna go i think he's it's hilarious go. the first scene is so serious life and death you know here's this person who basically gets vaporized and then the next scene it's like <laughs> the anti-hero <laughs> introduced who's like you think something crazy is about to happen you don't know what's gonna happen you just saw someone get vaporized and instead of it turning into a, you know, bloodbath or something, it's mm. just some guy being like, forget it. I hate this job. I'm gone. <laughs> F you. <laughs> We're late again today. F you. It's, oh. it's like everything that anyone has ever wanted to say to a boss they hated. Yeah. yeah. Like, well, I noticed you were late again, buddy. If in office space, it's like, uh, yeah, you didn't use the uh, TPS reports. <laughs> He just stood up and went, boom. Yeah, boom. I mean, he does kind of do that later in the movie, but you know what? (laughs) Beforehand. Yeah. (laughs) And then it goes goes straight to chaos. We're we're entering the punk's world right away. Yeah. Yeah. I really, really like it a lot. The graffiti in that that next scene, though, is pretty cool. I only caught Iggy Pop's name the uh, first time viewing, but when we saw the little documentary later, you know, I saw the circle jerks and yeah. a bunch of other people being sprayed mm-hmm. on the side of some wall. Mm-hmm. That was cool. The soundtrack kicked ass. It was like, I heard suicidal tendencies. I heard, um, I don't even know. We heard like a Spanish version of, what was it? Secret um, Agent Man. Secret yeah. Agent Man. That was cool. It, the whole thing. The whole thing was awesome. It was Los Angeles. Yeah, it was L.A. Like, 84 L.A. All of a sudden we're hearing like, like, like yeah, we, we are punks, but the, you know, you don't only hear punk music just because that's what you are. Like, you're going to hear Latino music. You're going to hear whatever else is going on. I really yeah. like that this movie for that fact. It feels like it's like a time capsule. Like, like I did, like there was a moment there when we were watching the movie and I was just kind of, I know, like, I know it was going, it was just mass chaos, but I was like, I kind of wish I'd been on, you know, I was born a year prior to this movie. So there's no way I'd have any, <laughs> you know, understanding of it. But LA, LA in the early eighties must've been pretty crazy. Like I can only imagine. Aaron in his diapers, bop, bop in his head, you know, bouncing against his, 
Uh, I guess none of your sisters were born then, nope. so you can't bounce against them. Bouncing against your mom's leg. What has gotten into you? Yeah. <laughs> A little cross hanging from your diaper. That's right, man. Adorable. So, uh, you know, they're doing like a... I, I, get, I have no, no idea what to call it. They're, they're, they're just like moshing all together there. Have you guys ever been moshing? Yeah. A couple times. A couple times. Sounds dangerous. It is, sometimes. You know me, I don't like to touch other people, so the idea that sweaty human beings are slamming against each other. If you're five foot tall and a girl, it it can get pretty gnarly for you in the middle of something like that. Well, I am five foot tall and a girl, so I know what you mean. Jeez. Insensitive. I've, I've only been in the mosh pit a few times, truth be told. Mm -hmm. uh, it's something that I normally don't really uh, enjoy all that much, but... Uh, yeah. I mean, how how often did a mosh pit break out at the church? That's that's what <laughs> never. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, I'm too old for that now. Oh, obviously. I mean, now I have a back injury. I'm not going to mess around in the pit that much. I actually, I can only think of one other time other than this year that I was in a mosh pit. And that one time when I was a kid was like the determining factor that I was like, I don't want to do yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but this year when I went to the, the um, uh, Google Bordello show. Me too. I, I, part I participated in I was in the, in the pit for that too. Yeah, that was pretty fun. I warned, I warned Jose. I was like, this is going to be pretty full on. And then we went to see at the drive-in. Oh, man. Everybody was standing still. What? It was crazy. But that, I mean. It was at the drive-in. I've, drive -in seen, I've seen videos of, of people like. Freaking out at the drive-in yeah, shows. Yeah, that's like, what I was like, expecting. You might get hot boiling water thrown at you, or like you might. <laughs> no, Gogo Bordello was more full on in the pit than the, at wow. the drive-in show I went to. Wow, yeah. it seems more primal. Yeah, than Gogo Bordello. I mean, that's like a mixture of uh, a, I don't want to say the word, but I will. And like an ethnic music, you know, with punk mixed in there. And and I realize that at the drive-in is is that super good. But it was also like a reunion tour, basically, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, so yeah. you're saying people so, might so be So maybe more people were just like, oh, i got to pay attention. I'm never going to see these guys again or something like that. I don't know. You're right. <laughs> I guess the mood could have been totally different. Because it was just a like a average gypsy punk show, you know? Whereas whereas uh, at the drive and you're right, that must have been like, oh my god, what an experience. Gogo Bordello has been together like the entire time. Yeah, they've never. They've been together like since that time period and still yeah. going. They yeah. never stop. And then at the drive-in, they did stop. They had other bands, that kind of thing, and then reformed. So, yeah, it is. I could say that the vibe is. But, I mean, if you think about it, the fans are probably. They. Maybe in between the at the drive-in fans all grew up and grew out of their mosh too. Yeah. yeah, no, exactly. The people that I saw at that show were like all my age or older. It seemed, yeah. Anyway, tangent. No, yeah, no, it's good, good stuff. I mean, I like I said, I, I watched this movie it. in twenty thirteen. I watched it here twenty sixteen, and I, I'm not really, I'm not in love with music in the way that a lot of people that I know are, you know, I, I think I'm, you are actually, I, just I think you have a different way of expressing it. I've become more tolerant and I've learned to enjoy more things since uh, being in a relationship with Sarah because she, you know, obviously absolutely loves music and could not live without it. Yeah. So, but I, music scrambles my brain. Like I can't listen to it while I'm driving because uh. If I'm especially if I'm into it, I will like lose track of what I'm doing. I can't tell you how many exits I've missed when I was like listening to something. I'm not going to rattle off any bands because it's embarrassing, but something. <laughs> it's all good, Joel. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No judgment here, man. So the Repo Man, yes, seems like the most anti-punk thing. Like, when you talk about it. I mean, nobody likes Repo Man. Nobody, you can't afford to have your stuff. Some guy just comes and takes it from you, like, in the middle of the night. And, yeah, yeah, it's true. You should pay for your stuff, but that, that's got to suck. You wake up in the morning, all of a sudden you don't have a car. So, how, you can, how can you go to work in order to pay for that car? But they make it into a punk concept in this movie. Yeah, and they put it side by side next to, he he's stealing a car... 
And then next to these other punks he used to hang out with going into a liquor store and robbing it. Like, it makes it almost seem like it's in the same range of possibilities for him. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Like, what they're doing is a crime. What he's doing would be a crime if he wasn't a repo man. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it kind of shows you just that, that thin veiled, you know, line between the badge and the, well, I mean, they don't have badges, but you know what I mean? <laughs> the idea, the, the, the law and, and, and not there much being law at all. You yeah. Know, the, the anarchy. I, uh, I don't know if I want to say that, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Totally. <laughs> Controlled anarchy. Yeah. There you go. Mm-hmm. There you go. Something, something going on. It's so good, special. <laughs> I love when he sees that girl running down the street and he's just like, need a ride? Need a ride? Hey. hey. Like, and it's just so stupid. I wouldn't expect someone to just get into the middle of whatever a crime or something taking place. Like, he didn't know what her situation yeah. was yeah. or why she was running. But it totally felt authentic for these kids to be just like yelling at each other out of a car or whatever in 1984 yeah the aloofness of his character is is particularly charming like he it's sometimes he's just like trying to be tough like i don't know if it's an act or not like he just doesn't care but he does look like he wants to have a good time so you know there are times when we see him laughing and he's excited about what he's doing but he's never like, this is against my ethos. I'm never going to do this. He's just like, whatever. Okay. $20? Sure. Oh, you guys are repo men? I don't like that. Oh, you're going to pay me? Okay. Uh, I think it's his, it's his prospects, though. I think that's really what it comes down to. Oh, yeah. Sure, the 25 bucks he got, he felt really bad about getting to mm-hmm. at that one point. But he went home. You know, he tried <laughs> to get some money from his mom and pop. Yeah. Wasn't looking like looking very good there. <laughs> Wasn't looking very good at all. <laughs> telling, telling Napoleon about the dream he had of them both being 65 and working as hotel managers. And, you know, he doesn't say that was really depressing, but that's what it's supposed to be. Oh, yeah. Know? Oh, yeah. But I think I think he was surprised, though. I think he was really surprised, in particular, that the life of the repo man was going to meet some of the needs that he that he wanted just from life in general, though, uh, like, you know, the, the whole scene where, where, you know, he's, he's in the car with, uh, the dude from Alien and they're driving, they're, they're doing Harry the whole- Dean Stanton. There you go. Yeah. Harry Dean Stanton. And, uh, you know, that they're in the, the ditch there, the famous, the famous ditch that, that apparently people in movies are uh, allowed to just The Los Angeles Ravine there. Yep. Yeah. 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 Terminator 2. Terminator 2. Uh, Greece. Greece. Yeah. Everybody can just drive onto it, apparently. You can't anymore. <laughs> <laughs> What about in Drive? Uh, do they do they, they did it in Drive as well? Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm telling you, man. Mm-hmm. Special permission. I feel like I'm not experiencing authentic LA because I haven't driven. Yeah, into we, the yeah. Me too. Me we should too. all hop in my jalopy and just you know cruise. We down need there. some bolt cutters to cut open a fence or something. Yeah, <laughs> that's probably just literally a a, a, a chain link fence right there. <laughs> it's like hey, you can't get to the Hollywood sign anymore. You can get to the Hollywood sign. Just gotta know. That's right. That's right. But it was just a really cool scene because, like, uh, he he had this realization after his his encounter with the uh, the brothers, the brothers there, uh, mm. that uh, you know he's like, wow, this is exactly what I want out of life right now. You know, yeah. adventure and money. So yeah, yeah, the life of the Repo Man was the was kind of like the the holy shit, this is what I want moment that he mm-hmm. just didn't he didn't know he wanted. You know, yeah. It seemed like he was going to be working for the man, but once he started doing it, he was like, actually, this is the best way for me to, like, be able to live the lifestyle I want to. Yeah. 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 If I'm going to have a good time, I might as well make some money at that. Wait. If I'm not going to, if I'm going to make some money, I might as well have a good time. Uh, I don't know what I'm saying. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So what about the seedy underbelly that's, that's going on? It's all underneath the movie. Like when he goes and picks up that girl randomly who's just running away, we don't really know what's going on, but we see that she's being followed by two Donald Trump clones wearing dark glasses in a car. And they're all out there trying to find the Chevy Malibu that we saw in the beginning of the movie because aliens. She shows them him a picture 
of what he thinks is a sausage. Yeah. <laughs> look like a black and white picture of like water filled condoms. Balloons. balloons. Yeah, yeah, I thought yeah. the same thing. Yeah. It was so funny. Oh my gosh. His reaction was priceless. <laughs> yeah. I get the feeling that, that was the first time he saw that photo. <laughs> Maybe. Like Maybe no he's one... just a really good actor. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, it I was just it, Emilio Emilio's response to everything was just so yeah. authentic. Like like literally this is the first time this crazy stuff is being thrown at him, you know? I know. And it, and that's what kind of really gives this movie just so much uh excitement to watch, you know, just yeah. it, it's so exciting to watch because it's like this dude is really living it, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's charming <laughs> it's really because weird. it's it feels spontaneous when you're watching it. And his reactions to things, you don't know what's going to happen next. You're kind of just <laughs> along for the ride. Yeah. And that's definitely one of those moments because she's like, take a look at this. Like, serious. <laughs> serious as hell. Like, just, you know, take a look at this. And it looks like two watered down sausages. You know? That's what he says. He's like... He's like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's kind of weird to me the familiarity that everyone is taking with each other. It's like when he first gets uh, Harry Dean Stanton yelling at him out the window, you know, he's at first he's like, get away from me. You know, he thinks he's hitting him up for sex or something like that, but then oh yeah, he's like, hey, you okay, want to make a quick ten bucks? Yeah, I'm just going to go along with it. <laughs> like, okay. And then with this girl, same thing. Like, hey, get in the car, get in the car. He runs into some trash cans and the <laughs> interactions with that old lady is, it's really funny because it's like I think we've all probably been it's in a real kind of a situation life. like yeah. that. <laughs> you gotta pick that up. What? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, just gets in the car. You know. In a really ridiculous way, it's mm-hmm. kind of existential too. It's kind of like high praise again. It kind of reminds me of wrist cutters. Kind of reminds me of Bill and Ted's too. Mm-hmm. Because I yeah. think I think Bill and Ted's must have been influenced by this, you I'm know, sure. to be these people that are just kind of they're the hero or whatever of the story, but they're just kind of like, no, dude, <laughs> I don't want to do that. They're kind of with their teenage angst, like just kind of stumbling through their adventure or whatever. Yeah, totally. But in this one, yeah, it feels like. I don't know. It feels like they're talking in some parts really philosophically about. They go all over the place. They do. Totally. I can't even put it into words. Like everybody has uh, not like something that they have figured out. Like they have it all figured out. Like even the girl he picks up is like, I've got it all figured out. It's about the aliens and. Uh, Bud is all like, I've got to figure it out. It's a repo man's code. You know, a man has to have a code and this is what it is. And and then Light is like, no, no, that's all BS. This is what it's all about. You know, everybody has one except for Otto. And, but yeah, most of it is like philosophical. Like I figured it out because this is the way it works. And then there's Miller, who is the goober, who's <laughs> standing by the open uh, flaming barrel and stuff <laughs> like that. And everything that comes out of his mouth is... Like Linklater-esque, like you said. Yeah. Like that first scene in Slacker when he's in the cab. Yeah. It's just going on. It felt like that mm. to me. It was a total callback to the stream of consciousness philosophy that's like in the beginning of Slacker. There's another part in Slacker it reminded me of too, but mm-hmm. I can't I can't say exactly which characters they were because it all kind of strings together. But yeah, he's he's just kind of just spouting this wisdom and you're kind of like this guy's crazy and then at the same time you're like this is some kind of weird philosophy he's made up for himself or whatever and Mm -hmm. i was just like oh my gosh hey look man (laughs) ufos time machines same thing Mm -hmm. i'm never gonna drive you know why because it makes you dumb (laughs) after he gets through with that whole thing you're kind of like huh Maybe he's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it switches. You know, that's all they do. They drive. It did, if there was a moment there where I was thinking about how much of our lives do we actually drive? What are we missing out while we're driving? <laughs> my whole damn he brought life me is there. driving right now because of my work. But I get most of my good thinking done while I'm driving. Yeah. You know, no, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts while I'm driving. Yeah. So Meditative for me. Yeah. 
They take jabs at everything, too, in this. They take jabs at... <laughs> at the way stupid teenage kids are. At They take jabs at kind of the system. And then there's, like, just... Lo- in the grocery store, it's, like, everything is just, like, food. Yeah. Like, nondescript food. And, Goes like, when he eats house. out of that can and it just says food on the side, yeah, like... Put it you, on a plate, son. You'll enjoy it. You'll enjoy it more. What was that? What Couldn't do you think was more in the if can? I tried. <laughs> food. What do you think was in the can? <laughs> Some processed beef stew a or something? A denti more? Yeah, it was a denti more. It was a denti That's more. That's what I was thinking. I think it was a denti more myself. It looked like yeah. a denti more beef mm-hmm. stew can. Um, Confession, though, I actually kind of like Dick I Timor. do, too. Dick Timor is one of my favorites. Yeah. I used to eat it with my dad a lot. I think I just, yeah. It reminds me of camping. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah, I can't remember. Oh, and religion. Oh, but yeah. He's like, I don't trust Christians. Yeah, yeah. And then, Don't want to call me in my car. Or Christians. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's that part where they're, they keep taking jabs at Scientology by, instead of calling it Dianetics, they diuretics. call it Diuretics. <laughs> diuretics. Yeah. Well, a bunch of different things. You know, the televangelists on TV asking for money. Yeah. It's like they're also poking fun at the uh, the generation that spent, you know, 10 hours in front of their TV every day just staring the whole time, not, not interacting. It's like, this is family time. But, I mean, we're just looking at the TV. Which is what our podcast revolves around. Ah! I'm like, which generation was that? All generations. <laughs> since the invention of the television. <laughs> they had some also some very interesting kind of uh, uh, Latino stuff going on there, too. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I think there was like a Brown Beret member being represented at one point, too. And like, Listen, there's, there's some cool stuff. I'm, I'm Mexican, and I don't know what the hell you're talking about. What's a Brown Beret? Well, you know, I'm not going to say it. I'm not. Look, I'll, I'll I'll be really frank. I'm I'm not too educated as well in this in this regards. That's open, okay though. I don't know. Open filters, eh? But yeah, no, the Brown Berets. I don't know. They were like a, they were very um, activist uh, like group. Okay, mostly almost militant. Um, oh, very similar to the Black Panthers. The Black Panthers. They were all ladies though. Oh, they were, they were all Latinas, and they had brown berets on. Well, that lady, uh, that was Marlene. The she was, was working, Marlene? Yeah, uh-huh. she was working in the... Uh, she had that look, though. She, had, she was like a double agent. But uh-huh. yeah, she was definitely wearing a beret like she was part of Probably some military it. group or yeah. something like that. That's a thing, though, man. I learned about that, like, a few weeks ago for the first time. Ooh. It's pretty cool. What? Wow. It just ended up... I don't... I don't That's even, okay. That's okay. Let's not go farther into it. It was cool, You're though. making me sick talking about my people. No, I'm <laughs> The lowrider guys were pretty cool, too, though. I like how those characters weren't stereotypes or anything like that. The uh, oh, are you talking about the guys on the scooters? Are you talking about? Yeah, those no, those guys were cool. But I'm talking about the brothers. I thought they were cool. Oh yeah, the, I don't remember what their I last what their name last was. Name was their cool. characters were Lagarto and Napo. Yeah, those guys were cool though. But yeah, Bud just had a vendetta against them for some reason. But they were also Repo Men. Well, they. They just did his job better than him, basically, yeah. and that's why he was he 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 had a grudge match with them because they were getting away with the stuff, and he, because of his strict repo code, yeah, he they were like mortal enemies because they kept getting away with the stuff that he wanted. He wanted their money, basically, right, and and had no way of getting it because they were they were slick. <laughs> Very upset. <laughs> I feel like my friend Ducky and I must have talked about this movie before when I was. I managed an office and my assistant manager was pretty punk um, from from back in the day. And I feel like we talked about this movie, but I didn't have like a picture in my mind of what we were talking about. Mm-hmm. But it's so cool. And I wish I saw it when I was younger because it's one of those movies that I think challenges the idea of what being a grown up is. And I think that those are really good. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) Because when you're young, sometimes you have this perspective of what being an adult is, and that you have to like filter, funnel into this one little area of what's acceptable, (laughs) and turn into you know somebody that you've seen or whatever. And I think in this one, it was obvious that like there was no clear path cut out for this guy, and he just did his own thing, and you know some. Some misadventures happened, but at the same time, he was all right, you know? Yeah. Like, well, talk about an aimless generation. Like, they, we get accused of being 
slackers that have never realized everything is handed to us and we, you know, we don't know what it's like to actually have to work and all this stuff like that. This is 1984 and it's showing us this picture of that generation who also were directionless, who didn't know what to do. And they, you know, down in whatever East LA or whatever, they didn't have opportunities to get jobs. They were working in grocery stores until somebody got tired. We don't, not everybody gets a Harry Dean Stanton pulling over and giving you $25 to break into a car. (laughs) It's true that. He wanted to teach him things. That's right. He's like. He was going to mentor him. That's what happened. (laughs) He wanted to teach him the way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the repo man. It's so awesome. Yeah, I mean, here's this guy in the same situation that I feel like we were in. Mm-hmm. Um, just like after high school or whatever, like in high school, still trying to figure it out and feeling like you don't know anything, right. you know? Yeah. I don't know. I I mucked I mucked stalls when I was in high school. That was a rough job. Oh, yeah. I hated it. <laughs> that's, that's hard. <laughs> I didn't yeah. make a lot of money off of that either because it was kind of like a, a buddy deal thing. Oh, wow. My, my yeah. folks knew them. They're the people that, that I was mucking for. And so it was like a get my son out of the house on Saturdays. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Kind of a thing. I used to babysit I, for like pennies in high school. <laughs> I, guess, I, guess, I guess I shouldn't. I should be more appreciative because, I mean, I did make money off of it. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> I, yeah. Horse poop is something you just don't want to. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure. I should be more appreciative. I had jobs consistently for about a decade, like retail jobs, retail jobs over and over again. And, you know, I'd get certain levels of, uh, uh, like, uh, assistant manager or whatever the next step up was from the general thing, like, since I was 16. Holy crap, And I never, never got anywhere. There was never a place to move, you know? Yeah. That's not the way businesses work. They don't want to pay you more, and they certainly don't want to have to uh, train somebody and move another person up in a position. So yeah. it's like, yeah, we were stuck. We're stuck. They were stuck. I, I just, last time I watched it, I wasn't really thinking about this stuff. And this time it's like, yeah, I can, I understand what's going on here. I feel like this may be a false statement, but I feel like our parents' generation somebody could potentially start their own business or go into business that maybe didn't have a college degree. Right. And that they moved up and they would be like the CEO of like a corporation or whatever. They could eventually climb that ladder. Like my gram my grandmother's brother, he started off working on a train as like basically like a bag boy or something and eventually moved up without a degree, moved up to being the head of like a train business of some kind. And I think that at some point in our generation or just before, it changed over to where you needed to have a college degree to get past a certain level in, like, professional environments. And so there were people above me consistently in jobs that didn't have a college degree, but they had worked their way up to being my manager and, like, the head manager. Mm -hmm. And then I was coming up, and at some point I hit, like, a ceiling where, like, I needed to have more college experience to get higher. And I don't know. I think, you know, it is what it is. It doesn't make it – I mean, this this country doesn't make it easy for you to go back and, like, continue your education. No. Like, the idea of being in debt for the next 25 years – is already terrifying to me. So the idea of having like student loans on top of the debt I have, eh. yeah, it's it's that that's overwhelming. And having a college degree doesn't guarantee you a job. Yeah, that's a bummer, man. And and this movie was pretty good. Yeah, back to the movie. <laughs> I hope that tangent wasn't too boring. But I we feel, I feel like it was something we were talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll see. We'll see how I feel. I'm already cutting out all of Aaron's dialogue. So good. It's gonna. It's going to be weird if it's just... Good. Yeah. <coughs> I start my separate podcast called Joel Complains About it. Everything. <laughs> about the economy. <laughs> so, uh, what, what are you guys... Let's let's pick a favorite scene. What do you think? There's so much goodness in here. I mean, if yeah. you had to cue in, like, if you were going to explain something to somebody, what scene would you pick? I feel like I would pick the glowing car to talk about. So, like, the end of the movie? 
Or you mean just like uh, when it, when it as something to t- as something to try and explain to somebody what it was like mm-hmm. seeing this movie? I would probably tell them about the moment when the guy opens the trunk and it's like just full light and you see his like skeleton and then he's like vaporized. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And then I would say, you know, it's not like that the whole way through. It's kind of about <laughs> this guy, but. Yeah, that only happens a couple of times, and two, it's, it's, it'd be so hard to explain, like, you just want to hand somebody a copy of the DVD and be like, no, 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 trust me, you're gonna <laughs> like it. Watch it, yeah. Check it out. I don't know, it just makes me kind of wish I could just wander early 1980s streets of LA. I know I said that earlier, but, yeah. like, if I just wish I had a car, I could just drive around and just watch people be crazy, because I'm pretty sure this is exactly what <laughs> <laughs> the streets were like I wish I had era. the attitude of not having the fear of what people might say or do you know it's that's my biggest thing like he was just walking around no fear like yeah. uh, and I don't think he would have been uh adverse to like throwing a punch or yeah. you know or running away from a situation if he had to or anything like that it's like I'm just going to go in there, whatever. I want to see what's going on. That's what I want to do, so I'm going to do it. His attitude is like, yeah, whatever. And I think I've talked to you about this before. Sorry to get back more into real life. Leave me alone. But that when you're young, you feel kind of more fearless. At least I did. I was willing to try, you know, just kind of going somewhere without really knowing anything and just kind of... And then, you know, you get some... You hit some road bumps along the way, and you're like, maybe I won't do that again. And then you just kind of, I feel like when you're young, though, that's like part of it is that there's this electric, like, energy of not, you do care. I mean, Mm -hmm. inside, you do care about some things, but there's this other part of you that's just um, alive and just willing to try new things and just being like, I don't care. Which is cool. Yeah. I wish someone had told me about this movie sooner. And I was thinking about it when I was watching it. That, like, it's one of those movies that, like, I know people when I was growing up must have known about it. Like, adults Mm -hmm. I knew must have seen it. Mm. But they felt like it was inappropriate because they cussed and they, you know, somebody mentions a blowjob or whatever. And, like... I feel like there should be, like, a list of movies that are, like, you can't tell kids about until they get to whatever age you think is appropriate and okay for them to watch it. And then you should be like, oh, yeah, I have to remember to tell my niece or whatever about that movie now because it's so good and it's so worth seeing. I think 16 or 17, I would have freaked out about this movie. Yeah, I would have loved it. Sure. I would have, I would have just been all about the. I mean, I still, I love, yeah, I, I, I love I really, it now, I, yeah. I really like it, you know. Uh, at this point in my life, but yeah, this totally would have been like, like right up there on my on my theoretical shelf with like Donnie Darko, right up there, yeah. sixteen, seventeen, yeah, right up there with it. Yeah, I feel. I love like- this movie. I love this one too. Yeah, it, it would have been unfortunately next to my copy of Boondock Saints, <laughs> which I don't watch anymore. But <laughs> back in high, you know, at Why the not? end of Are high school, you just not into it anymore. I don't. I don't mm, know. It's got a certain uh, attitude that I don't agree with anymore. Oh, okay, I haven't seen the movie in a while, so okay. it's it's pretty. Uh, Nor have I done much criticism. You of analyze it. the characters; they're they're pretty nasty. Oh, they're not not something that should be emulated. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like when I was like 16 or 17, I was watching like mall rats on constant oh, rotation. Yeah. And I feel like if my parents saw me watching yeah. that, yeah, mall rats. that they would, they could have been like, Clerks. oh, you know what? You should check out this other movie. It's, re- you'd probably like this, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> if, it, I say, if it wasn't for the dissolve, I would have never heard about this movie. I've never heard anybody talk about it. So, but you, I mean, you've had friends that were totally into film before that. I've never really had. Friends that were into film until like uh, like fourteen, like twenty fourteen, twenty thirteen. You know. It's yeah, like- I've had friends that were into movies, and I've had friends that were into this kind of music. Who, like, I would guess would have said something about it. But it kind of makes me wonder because it was so so much before our time. Yeah. That I wonder if there's other kids our age who like didn't see it because yeah they might not have heard about it. No, I. 
I'm having a couple of face faceless uh, conversations in my head right now where someone's like, have you seen Repo Man? Yeah, me too. And I'm like, I don't know. I guarantee I had I a conversation like that with my coworker. Mm, I'm probably guilty. I mean, somebody might have mentioned to me I'm guilty of being the stubborn butthole I was before that was like, I don't want to try something I'm not familiar with. Film is easier now. I'm still not going to listen to your Deer Hoof CD. I don't care what you say. You're missing out, man. No. Deer Hoof is an experience. Get out of here. I know it's an experience. I experienced some of it, and I had to leave. Really? Huh? Okay. That's all right. Controversial opinions. Wow. On PDS MIOs. Well, now, you've definitely (laughs) separated the tape. You've put a line. This is like our civil war going on right now here, Joel. If I had to pick a scene... Anti-Deer Hoof... (laughs) Let's in, let's include the the trunk opening scene uh, as part of this. If I had to pick one scene that was like, oh, this is kind of what this movie is like, I'd pick the part where those three punks that are robbing places have already stolen that guy's car, and he goes up and is like, hey, I think that's my car, and like start with that part, and then end with you know what happens. Oh, okay, that's kind of a cool bit of yeah, that yeah, that would that would cover a lot of things too. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. I really liked the effects because they were so primitive, but so good. The metal hand. Oh, I know. <laughs> and it's kind of like an off thing. It's like, it's not even really important. It's just... Yeah. No, it's just a detail they threw in there. It's just like an ornament on the Christmas tree, you know? Just so amazing. That You know what that reminds me of? Buckaroo Bonsai? That's got all kinds oh. of things that are just kind of like off whatever and I then that we're movie. on with the story. That's one of my mom's favorite movies. I grew up, like, my mom would be like, oh, it's any time o'clock. It's time to watch Buckaroo Bonsai. <laughs> I didn't watch it until earlier. I think it was earlier this year. And I watched it three times in one week because I, I was so into it. Growing up, Joel, my mom used to call me Monkey Boy. She'd be like, all right, Monkey Boy. Wow. That was, that was, that's a common thing in my household or my, my parents' household. Go, mm. ra- go rake the front yard, Monkey Boy. Oh, wow. Nice. I think my scene, though, if I'm going to pick a scene from this movie that uh, I think makes the movie, it's when he goes home. I think that's the scene that that I feel really makes the movie for me. Just the the deadpan stare at the TV from the parents, him eating generic (laughs) food from a can. I don't know. I just feel like that really kind of that that scene really nailed it for me in the movie. I was like, oh, man. His life, his life was not good. <laughs> Surprisingly respectful to his parents. Yeah. <laughs> well, because he wanted money. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. But I'm sure, <laughs> uh, uh, like every day, you know, that's the only time we get to see the interaction. But he's just like, I guess that is every day for them. Yeah. You know, Dad, I really love you. Uh, <laughs> that scene was awesome, but it kind of reminded me of that scene in Terminator Two when, like, the. Evil T-1000 had, like, already gone to the person's house and, like, killed them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know why. For some reason, I was like, uh, something's not quite right here. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I thought that maybe the parents had already been, like, turned into aliens or something, like... Because they were zoned out. Yeah, they they totally could have been aliens, and... and Mm -hmm. It was a... That's what the chief from uh, Dexter gets for, or not the chief, the other guy from Dexter for drinking out of the milk carton, you know? And then, okay, all right, all right, all right, all right, guys. So, so the dude with his sunglasses popped out is driving this, this, uh, Ford Galaxy, right? All across LA. Or, well, well, presumably from where he is in the movie, he's in New New Mexico. A Malibu? Is it a Malibu? Shelly from Malibu. Okay. The guy um, with the popped out sunglasses. Yeah, he's driving yeah. this car, and it's got obviously something in it that's really bad. It's melting people. And he's driving all across L.A. Uh, well, you know, he drives from presumably the desert, and the uh, license plate says, says New Mexico, so presume, presume that's wh- probably where he started. So he's driving all around L.A. at this point, though, and um, you keep seeing like all these people just kind of laying all across the street everywhere. And then out of nowhere, you see these guys in like these... Uh, these like containment suits and they're, dr- and they're dragging, they're dragging people away. And you're, and you're, and, and so, so it came across my mind that was he like polluting the entire city I don't with these know. aliens? Like that, that yeah. was something that came across. And then at one point, like uh, Emilio's character like throws up like too. So oh, like, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if, if, if the aliens were, were essentially causing like 
their 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 decomposing bodies or whatever are are they causing like actual pollution in the city as well like knocking people over because like yeah I, I don't know, know. I mean, he's radioactive like he's dying of radiation poisoning and they're complaining about how hot it is when they steal the car yep but uh, you said New Mexico did you say Area Fifty One. Well, no, but I mean, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, they mention it in the movie. Oh, okay. So specifically. Oh, I realized, too, now that you're mentioning that the plates were New Mexico, that mm-hmm. they have that beginning part with the map. Mm-hmm. Um, Route 666. Going from New Mexico to California. Is that, in fact, the most devilish highway, in your opinion? It was pretty... Complacent. I don't know. Is that mm-hmm. the word? It wasn't it? Wasn't crazy or anything no. like that. There was a couple cool plateaus off in the distance. I saw the ones because I've been through needles, and let me tell you, that sucks. And that's I, that's not six six six. I know that's, but that's that's the most. It was pretty flat. It was pretty boring. Yeah, I had working air conditioner though at the time, so no in the car. Well, aren't you so fancy? Thank working you. air conditioning. I know. Whatever. Sorry, I didn't mean to derail, <laughs> derail what you guys were talking about. <laughs> All he was t- okay, basically, what I was trying to get at was is that he's driving this car around, and while you're looking at L.A., there's people just laying everywhere right. in the streets, people in containment suits dragging mm-hmm. people into vehicles. So I, I guess what I'm trying to, it's to, like the to hypothesize just in the background. You yeah, know? yeah. Well, I thought maybe the car was polluting the city because right. this guy is like in continual motion, like he is never like True. stopping anywhere. You know, to refill, yes, but that's it, you know? Yeah. Oh, he's hiding in plain sight. Like, yeah. everyone's looking for him, but nobody can find him because he's he's just driving a 64 Chevy Malibu, and he's he just is a person. But, yeah, so many different – like, and it's not just him driving by. Sometimes they – there's a part, I think, where they're driving by, and where Otto and Bud are driving on the bridge, and, you, you know, they pass a, a van that's pulled over with the guys in the containment suits are out there. Yeah, it's – I've seen some movies that had really good potential in the beginning and that I was like hooked and wondering what was going to happen. And then something stupid happens and it's kind of not a movie I'd ever want to watch again. And I remember saying like partway through this movie, if they don't mess this up, I'm really going to like this. (laughs) Yeah, I agree with you. They didn't. They didn't mess it up for me. I don't think so. I think that ending is kind of perfect. Yeah, I liked it. Because it's just, I mean, there's no questions answered, but there's no reason to. We're just, it's intense. Yeah. It, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I feel like I can't vocalize just how awesome this movie is. I feel like I'm at a lack of words. Uh, it's just something to see. Yeah. This is something to experience. Uh, the soundtrack entirely uh, just, it, it catches a hold of you. You want to hear? You want to hear more. It really matches what's going on. The feel of the movie totally, you know. Is made by the soundtrack. I, I want a just, Mondo re-release of that on LP or something like that. I was looking on Amazon while mm-hmm. we were watching it, and you can get a like new copy for twenty nine ninety nine, but it just goes up from there. Yeah, and it's like I guess I could get a CD, but I don't. You know, do we even have a CD player? I guess a computer would work. Isn't that weird? You can play your CD. Pl- you can bring your CD over to Seth's Games and Anime because yeah. I have a CD player there. Oh, okay. Yeah, just hang out there. Yeah. Alternate that with the TMNT2 soundtrack, right? You can uh, you can blast your Repo Man soundtrack while, you're, while, I'm, sell- while I'm selling My Little Pony action figures. Spawn, <laughs> Spawn soundtrack. Here you go, kid. Yeah, you're listening to Black Flag, but here's your My Little Pony. Mm-hmm. It'll be great. It'll be good times. I burn all my CDs onto my iTunes now and my Google Music, and now I have it anywhere I go. So I've actually gotten rid of a lot of my music collection recently. Not a lot of it, but... Maybe half of yeah. my music collection, just because if it's not on vinyl and if it's not something I feel super sentimental about, like I can just have it digitally now. And I know that sounds lame, but yeah, but it's like I have more space I if mean, I get rid of like some CDs that I've had since I was like a teenager. I don't think that sounds lame. I think that sounds what's I probably carry, best right now. Yeah, I, I carry a um rather large lime green uh, duffel bag with a yellow trim and it's just full of CDs. <laughs> and it's, I walk into work with this huge shady duffel bag and I unzip it and I'll pop a CD in. Cool. And work and just play it. <laughs> That's cool. 
I honestly <laughs> no, there's no drugs in there. It's just CDs. I promise. The, I la- the last time I had any sort of music collection was that time my car got broken into and somebody oh, stole those CDs. That's lame. Ever since then, it's been like volatile. Like, uh, like I'll have MP3s on my computer and then the hard drive will fill. So those are all gone. And then yeah. I'll buy some iTunes stuff and then I'll change accounts and totally forget that I had a different account and who knows where those are. You know. I've been combining all the legs of my <laughs> music collection recently and yeah, there was there were things that I had purchased on iTunes that I had completely forgotten about and there were CDs that I had completely forgotten about and there were digital copies that I got with vinyl that I had completely forgotten about and there's still st- I mean I haven't gone through it all yet but I think that having a cloud now has made it possible to actually do what you're talking about because you can have everything just available now, and it's not going to fill up your hard drive. Till the cloud bursts, then we're all screwed. What is this magical wizard's thing you have? The cloud. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I can tell you some stories about people's misconceptions of the cloud. I'll save it for another podcast, though. Anything else you want to say? I, I think we should, we've probably uh, yeah. That was another tangent. It, it's funny, oh. like we have uh, we've talked about the movie, but I think we all felt it so personally that we just we had to go into our own lives and our own experiences. Yeah. Like the the movie's good. Like oh yeah, like mm. amazing. Yeah. Yes, definitely worth watching. Definitely worth owning. If it was available cheap, I'd like buy DVDs and like give them to my friends. I just, it makes me realize how many movies I enjoy that have somebody who's not your typical hero at, like, the helm of the story. Like, like it reminds me kind of even of American Splendor, even though it's a completely different thing. No. Like, it just reminds me of that character of somebody who doesn't really know what they're doing, but is just trying and... You know, getting into these situations and... It's got that underground comic feel. Yeah, it does. Like you were saying, Eleven Rockets. It feels like Eleven Rockets Rockets comic book. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, It just, it's amazing. I I don't know, I I appreciate anything that makes Los Angeles look like a weirder place, just because we live, just because we live so, so close to it, you know? I always think that it's like some mystical, crazy place where all kinds of random things are happening all the time. And this movie was just like, hey, guess what, Aaron? Los Angeles is a crazy place where random things are happening all the time. So it was just, I, I just have, like, that alone just, just kind of had this magical aura about it. Like, I was literally just getting goosebumps at, at a couple different points while we were watching it. Like, it's just fun. Yeah. It's just, I, I, I again, I'm at a loss of words. I, it's just, watch it. It's, it's that good. It's just amazing. You, you know what might make a good double feature with it, being in a Los Angeles thing? Mm-hmm. The Omega Man. <laughs> Because he's just cruising around Los Angeles and it's all empty, but you're seeing all these sides of it that you wouldn't be able to see. And it's like... Yeah. And that's that's like got this like jazz score soundtrack that's kind of like perma- of its time and it's cool. a snapshot. You know? Cool. I was thinking the other one that would go good with it was the one we watched with Campo. Um, oh, oh, um, could, uh, Guitar Wolf movie, right? Is yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wild Zero? Wild Zero. Yeah. Well, that's just a good all-around movie. Watch Wild sense. Zero first, then watch this one. Or other way around. Either whatever, whatever you want to do. You They're should both just pretty watch punk both. rock movies, I though. I think I liked this one more. But I liked them both a lot. Yeah. I do I do like this one more, but I... Yeah, Wild Zero is like... That's also very superb. That's, that's super special coolness. Very punk rock. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it's available through the Criterion Collection. Uh, it's not on Hulu for some reason, but whatever... Pretty soon, their uh, Criterion, uh, like later in the year, is going to pull all their stuff off of Hulu, anyways. So maybe it'll be on that new site. I don't remember Criterion what that's called. Criterion Something else. Wait for that Barnes and Noble sale. Get it for fifty percent off. Nice, cool stuff. So next week we decided on a shotgun opinion here. I already put it away. We're going to be watching. What is the name of the movie, Aaron? Oh, um, I believe. Uh Listener of the show, Mike Strauss, has recommended that we watch Hawk the Slayer. Hawk, colon, semicolon, the Slayer. Not semicolon. <laughs> semicolon, space, um, I don't know, secret paragraph. You're as bad as that sign over there that says taco apostrophe S and beer. Yep. 
It's not. No, it's Taco's Beer. He owns it's it. Tacos and beer. No, he owns So he, o- he owns and beer. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. I didn't know the grammar police were among us. That's that's me. I, I'm not a grammar police. I'm a grammar Nazi. I put, oh. put all those bad spellers Crap. in the camp. Well, yes. Nice to meet you, The Slayer. We're going to get some fantasy up in the house. So we'll check that out and get back on our fantasy turn. Uh, so I'm going to ask you guys about lessons, but first I'm going to read these outro stuff. So just think about this. It shouldn't be too that di- difficult this time. It didn't exhaust us like endangered species. Oh my God. <laughs> if you have any suggestions you want to send, uh, every third movie, we're going to try to do somebody's, uh, pick for us. Please send those suggestions or any comments you have to please don't podcast at gml.com. We'd love to read it on the episode. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud, or the podcatcher of your choice. Anything you're doing. If you also, if you could, if there's a way to leave us a rating or a like on any of those podcatcher sites, we'd appreciate that. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash PDSMIOS, which is please don't send me out into outer space. Uh, I already went through the next lesson. Twitter, at Outer Space Pod. Our Twitter is mostly just reposting the Facebook thing. If you want to, like, stick with us and uh, see the photos we're putting up, Facebook is probably the best place to do that. So, what do you guys think? What did you learn from this movie? What is a lesson? Well. Yes? (laughs) Uh, You know. I heard crickets. There are just, like, so many things, so many different amazing things one could learn from this movie. My my uh, lesson from this movie is is that uh, uh, you should listen to people who don't drive because more often than not they're really smart. <laughs> it's a lot of East Coast people that don't drive. It's yeah. just just a thing. Maybe they're all smarter than us. Yes. <laughs> I just I was just looking at the quotes real quick to interrupt. Oh, you would. All right, and it says Bud said. And this is a fantastic line. Look at those assholes. Ordinary people. I hate them. (laughs) (laughs) And I think all three of us were like, "Mm, yes. Mm -hmm. Very much. (laughs) I hate ordinary people. (laughs) That's my favorite line. That movie sucks. Not me. (laughs) Sarah, what do you think? The first thing that came to mind was that I learned that Emilio Estevez can be a punk. (laughs) <laughs> in a movie totally yeah. and it works totally <laughs> I'd like to know if he was a punk you know I don't, he, he's an amazing actor because he could be both a jock and a, and a punk and it, it seemingly, seamlessly there was some good. teenage angst that was in both of those things that were kind of familiar but I think yeah. that it's definitely he was good in this it makes me sad that they tried to make him into like an action star like center like pretty boy type thing like I'm thinking specifically of that movie where he gets sent through time. <laughs> what is that called? Time Cop. Uh, no, just... Yes, Time Cop. No. Uh, wow. Can't remember. Something about Top. Something about... Hmm. Big Top Pee Wee. No. Anyway. He he does really good in these like smaller indie movies. I mean, I don't know how small... The Breakfast Club is, but it's like he wasn't the main character, and I think that really helped to his thing. He was kind of the main character in this, but the indiness, I think, like, made it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. We miss you, Emilio. Wherever you are. He's directing stuff. Did you have anything, uh, another lesson besides that? That was just the first one that came to mind, or? Yeah, that was what I was thinking about when you first asked us, but, um... I think that it's one of those movies that's um it's just like be yourself and like it's going to be all right. Yeah. Yeah. And jump into a neon car and some fun stuff might happen. If it lets you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A rabbi, a preacher, and a priest approach a glowing car. And the Bible catches on fire. That's the joke. And my lesson is, let me think about this. I, You know, it's just, there's so many good things. 
I think the lesson that I actually learned from this is that being mentored by many different people is beneficial because you get to hear every side of the story, but you don't have to become a slave or zombie to any one ethos. You can do what you want to do unless that is stealing a lady's car when she has relatives that are in, I can only assume, a punk, or not a punk, a funk band that rides scooters. Funksters. I think. Hey, we'll see you next week, folks. Thanks a lot for listening. Bye. 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 My dad's a big uh, mobster movie fan. The other day, he texted me that he never saw The Departed. And oh, I got up, intense. got my copy of it, drove it over to him oh, and awesome. said, you need to watch this movie. The Departed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Gotta watch The Departed. <laughs> yeah, it's a must-see for my dad. <laughs> <laughs> what did, he, did, he, did he like it, though? Did he, has he, he hasn't watched it yet. This oh, is something... Oh, man, with, it's a ticking I mean, time bomb. Awesome. Happens. If I tell him... This is the best movie you'll see in a long time. Yeah. He won't watch it. Oh. He'll like put it to the side and I'll come over and there'll be like dust on oh. it. And I'm like, Dad, did you watch that movie yet? And then, you know, just maybe a year or two from now, he'll I mean, be like, I watched that movie you told uh, me about. I mean, she, Sarah does that too sometimes. I mean, there's sometimes where. Oh. I'm sure we're all... Things get pointed out by somebody else or lent to her. And, you know, I do that, too. I mean, I just kind of, like... Especially with books. If somebody, like, says you have to read a book and, like, hands it to me, I, I'm just terrible. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude. I think everybody... Everybody... It, you know, it's just kind of one of those things. It's just one of those things. Yeah. Yeah. Here's my recommendation. Everybody does it. If you want people to watch or read something, then force them to be on a podcast. Because then they'll have to do it. I see Anyways. what your plan was, Joel. <laughs> All along. All along to get you guys to watch All this movie. Along.